Hello, everyone, and welcome to Demystifying Gay Porn. My name is Ike Grande, and if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped to get off. I want to I wanna just talk about how cool, <laughs> how cool it is to have this interview happening. Uh, I got an email from a female fan of gay porn, and I love them. Because it's always very, very interesting to hear that, you know, there are other other people other than gay men who watch gay porn. On our first season, we had Betsy. And this season, we have Christina, who is, uh, we're going to call her Christina, the kinky tax attorney. Christina, how are you? I'm great. Yeah? Yeah. How, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited for this opportunity to talk about something that I find that I'm very passionate about. Okay, I'm very I'm very excited to talk about what you find passionate about gay porn. I, I am. And porn in general. We're going to get into a little bit of everything. So, for starters, you are a woman. Yes. Who watches yes, I... who watches porn? <laughs> Not even gay yeah. porn, porn? <laughs> well, porn in and of itself never really I never really found anything I liked. Mhm. Um, for the longest of time, I was very particular. I tried all kinds of different avenues. My best friend works in the adult industry. Her and her husband do lovable dolls, oh. which are silicone, yeah, which are silicone-based erotic dolls. Mm-hmm. And she tried to find stuff for me, and it just never appealed to me. And then back in 2015, I discovered Christian Wilde while I was searching through Pornhub and okay. then um, really appreciated him on kink.com. And then from there, I then found um, Calvin Banks at Coffee Boys. Okay. Absolutely loved his style. And then <laughs> now I just, um, call it? I go through different studios. Like I like Falcon Studios, Naked Sword, which I just, I find it to be really artistic mm-hmm. and beautiful. And the approach that I find in gay porn is totally different than the approach I see in most of uh, straight porn. Okay. All right. We're going to, we're going to definitely touch on that. I did notice a lot of the studios that you mentioned are California studios. Those are the big porn. I call them big porn because they're, you know, the big porn studios, which is, it's great. I, I, I can appreciate them as well. Uh, the ones I've worked with are dirty. <laughs> they're, so, they're so dirty. They're, they're the ones that either the porn stars come to first or go to last before they're ending their career. Interestingly enough, <laughs> but, but everybody it's, it's almost like they say, you know, you're right up to the top and and back to the bottom again, you know. I absolutely appreciate those studios as well. I watch them. If it's not amateur porn, I do watch a lot of next door studios and stuff. Like I, I, I can appreciate that yeah, as well. Yeah, I do like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like how, I like how it looks. I like that it looks nice. That's always one of those big things for me. The next thing that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. In your email, you had mentioned um, the importance of normalizing the star in the porn industry. Is it because you were watching, you were watching these, these almost larger than life. It's, it's very similar to the star system in, in Hollywood where I I know Hollywood doesn't want to touch porn. They'll, they'll make shows about porn, but they don't want to, they won't, they don't want to actually have porn involved in it. 
Although there was a brief time in the 70s where they flirted with the idea of putting, you know, full-on sex, like unsimulated sex in movies. Never really got there. But well, there was Caligula, I Cal- think. Yeah, but that was uh, Bob Cuccioni. He made that and he kind <laughs> of, he didn't tell Roddy McDowell and Helen Mirren and all these people that they were going to cut scenes of like porn in it. That, that's, that's the story they tell us. Who knows? It might be, might be very different. But um, but yeah, wow! Look at you and your your Hollywood slash porn history. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm from San Diego. <laughs> okay, okay. I have lots of friends in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, all right. I I'm uh I, I love San Diego. I think it's beautiful. I I came very close to moving to San Diego in 2014. Then I met my boyfriend and I stayed in New Jersey. San Diego. If I had to go anywhere, I would move to San Diego in a heartbeat. I no. just I love the people of San Diego. It's Me just too. such a chill. Yes, me too. It's like it's like Hollywood or LA, but much better. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. So back to my question: You found the podcast, and you you mentioned the normalization of the stars outside of the porn industry. Why do you think that it's why do you think that's important? I want to generalize that more. Mm-hmm. It's not just normalizing the porn star, but also normalizing sex. Okay. And porn. And the porn star. So it's it's much bigger than that. You're you're not your mission's bigger. <laughs> well, I just <laughs> see that, especially in today's times, which are so tumultuous. With you know, right now we're battling reproductive rights and our criminal justice system, and just all these other issues that I find plague our society, I think one of the ways in which humans can connect more is if they were just to be more honest and open about sex, because sex is something that almost every human participates in. Their approaches may all be different, Mm -hmm. but it's it's the the same underlying concept of the release of dopamine through physical and mental pleasure. Jesus Christ, I couldn't have said that better. For me, that's a big mission in life. And having the, I'm more of a brain about sex Mm -hmm. than I am. That's um, the sexiest part of sex. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Intelligence is the biggest aphrodisiac. Mm. But um, I've, I've always come at it from a place of like questioning, like, well, what is it that I like? Why is it that these other people like this? What is the, oh, I don't know where I was going with that, <laughs> but, um, wherever I, it is, just, keep going. <laughs> I love it. I'm loving it. I just find that sex is, oh, and in this country, especially this country, I believe Europe is far more advanced than we are, but in this country, we take a very conservative stance and as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, keeping it out of our mass media, keeping it out of avenues that most of us interact with. And I think that's sad and it creates issues where people are feeling ashamed and people are not comfortable with whatever it is that they like. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that creates more strife and more separation. Whereas if we were to normalize it and be like, it's okay, Mm -hmm. you know, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is what I like then people would stop feeling there'd be less separation between us and 
humanity could hopefully progress a step further. That's a great way of looking at it because I'm, I'm right on the same page with you. I think that a lot of the separation in this country, well, first and foremost, yes, Europeans are a little more advanced, which is funny because they also have uh, a lot of, they have a lot of religion in their background. They have a lot of, uh, and, and I'm, I bring it up uh, and I, I know you're not supposed to talk about religion, but religion is a big divider in this country and a, and a big proponent of shame. And uh, it has a history of shame. So I'm actually with the podcast, what I've been researching and which is why it's refreshing. I literally just started reading and, and um, thinking about the lo- a lot of the things that you mentioned just right now. And part of, part of shame, especially in porn, we can, you know, there's, there's two ways. I, I kind of, I limit my scope of the podcast to gay porn uh, which is what we're we're here to discuss, but also yeah. um, porn in general um, is is also um, filled with shame because people don't tell you that they watch porn. That's why when I asked you, you're a woman who watches porn. It's you're not. You're not supposed to watch porn. Like that's what that's what is put into your in our heads. Women don't watch porn. It's usually oh, it, yeah. It's usually a heterosexual male who watches porn. And if you're a gay man that watches gay porn, it's similar or along the lines of being uh, a woman, a minority, basically. Uh, As a gay man, you are a minority watching something that's considered shameful. And you're watching sex in general that is not for reproductive reasons. You're kind of just doing it because you're doing it. You're having fun. You're a heathen. You're going to burn in this life just as much as you're going to burn in the afterlife. <laughs> Those thoughts, they they permeate or they they kind of find their way into our society and our culture and part of part of demystifying gay porn or demystifying porn in general is the idea that you are now taking back a thought or rewriting a history to include you because People have always been there. Women have always been there. Gay men have always been there. So, so rewriting this history to include us is something that fascinates me as well. And I don't care what anybody says. Gay porn is still a part of history. Porn is a part of history. And come 50 years from now, we're going to realize whether or not it had a good effect on us or a bad effect on us. And right now, kind of along the lines, what, what you're saying I think it's going to have a bad effect because nobody's able to talk about it. Nobody's able to come out and say, this is what I like. I wish there were other people like me. And there are, they're all out there. They just, you can't, you don't hear about it. You don't hear from them. Yeah. And that's exactly why I was happy to come on your podcast was just to be, you know, another voice saying, Hey, I like this. I'm a professional, um, well, but, you know, I have a career. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> and, I know. Um, You're yeah, not some it's, pervert. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, I you have function. plenty of friends who are perverts. <laughs> <laughs> Which there's no, I use that word in the best way possible. I love the word pervert because no, it just. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm no, I perverted myself. <laughs> <laughs> just like deviant. I think that's such a great word. I'm like, yeah. oh, you know. Oh, it's I love that word. Deviant. It just sounds fun. It sounds like, you know, the bad boy or the bad girl, you know. <laughs> It's not, not the deviance that I think of when I think of medical books from the 50s and the 40s and stuff. <laughs> oh, in the 80s. You don't yeah. have to go that far yeah, back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. In my 20s, I started discovering the BDSM world. Okay. Because I identify as a submissive. But in my 20s, my, I wasn't aware of what this was. 
So I picked up a lot of books on this and a lot of books from the 80s and um, as late as the 90s talked about BDSM as a deviant proclivity. For those of you who, uh, you know, I do this all the time, by the way, right? I got very excited and I didn't record the first 15 minutes of it, but we're not doing it over (laughs) again. It's okay. People that are watching will now uh, get to see your face and my face on the camera. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You know, the audio is being recorded. I always find a way to trip something up. And I think it's because, you know, it's either I'm really excited about it as well. And uh, it's a, it is a one man show. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no money behind it. There's no, I, I am doing, it's a labor of love and I enjoy doing it. So when did you start watching porn? Well, I always, and it it might be because of um, my characteristics, personality characteristics, but I've always been into porn. My first um, foray into it was reading erotic literature as a child. Really? As a child? (laughs) I was raised. You were advanced. Well, (laughs) I never started reading uh, that kind of literature, maybe when I was. 11, 12. You matured a little uh, earlier, right? In a way. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Yes, in a way. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, so I was raised for Southern Baptist. Okay. How did... So I would, I, would, I would get books from the library, and I don't know if you remember how we used to have to cover our books with brown paper bags. Mm-hmm. I would do that with my books, and my mom would think I was reading religious Clever too, very clever, young, mature, and clever. <laughs> and then from there, I and then as I was growing up, the internet was growing up as well. So I remember being on, I think it was SQL SQL chat rooms. Okay. What was the, the really? I was always looking for um, erotic literature or avenues into erotica. Um, and then the internet progressed, and as the internet progressed, um, access to porn became more accessible. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was never into straight porn. It just always seemed very contrived. It always seemed very, from the man's perspective. Mm. It is. Even, and, even women on women, <clears throat> from a man's yeah. perspective, is so... Like you can tell, you know, the, the the women might be having fun, but I don't even know if the guys care about that. They just kind of want to see two women go at it. And some for some women, it's a paycheck. For other women, it's like, oh, okay, cool. It's always the person behind the camera always has such a say in what's going to happen, even though you don't think so. Um, so if it's, if it's a lesbian director who is recording uh, two women, you're going to get such mm-hmm. a different scene such a different perspective. Oh, uh, absolutely. But a lot of porn that was shot, um, even, even to this day, it's, it's, you know, it's few and far between that you have such a diverse group of directors who are, uh, making the decisions on how the scene's going to play out and what's going to happen, who's cast in the scenes. Mm-hmm. So you, for, you forayed into erotic literature, you found porn and then eventually you found gay porn. And yes. kink.com. Okay, so you are, I was going to say, I have, in, in my questions, I do have how, well, I mean, I don't even think I need to ask this question at this point, but I was very, 
I'll, I'll give it more as a compliment. I was very taken aback and um, happy at how how open you were. Like the fact that you you describe yourself as a submissive. You know a lot about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's been a long, hard battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but getting to become comfortable with myself, um, like I think that's a path that everybody should go on. Mm-hmm. You know, truly analyzing why is it that I like this? What is it exactly that I like? How much of something am I attracted to because that's what society's telling me is appropriate versus how much am I into something because that's something that I truly enjoy? Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you yeah, think... So going back to being this... Yeah, no, hmm? go on, go on, go on, please. Don't let me interrupt. Uh, going back to being a submissive, like, I realized in my early 20s, that's how I identified, and I became a, a big part of the Club X scene in San Diego. Club X, what's that? Uh, the BDSM community. Oh, okay. So a big part, yeah. big part. What does that, what does it entail to be a big part of it? Well, I would march in pride parade. Okay. I would attend, um, I would, I did a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, political campaigning when Prop 8 happened. Okay. And so, um, and like on a personal level, when I was engaged, I told my ex-fiance that we weren't allowed to be married until gay marriage was recognized. How do you feel and about then, that? I hope he, I hope that's not the reason he's your ex. I heard. No, no, <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> Back to uh, me. Um, so I was part of Club X, which was the BDSM community in San Diego. Um, did a lot of events with them in terms of like pride and club events. And then I went up to LA for a party and that's where I met my best friend who is the co-founder of lovable dolls. And she introduced me into the Burning Man community. And then hmm? I said, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And his, um, on a one-on-one basis, I can be quite talkative, but when I'm in an environment that's very loud, I tend to shut down. And since being diagnosed, I understand now that that's just a part of having Asperger's or okay. having autism. So um, before we before we continue, now that you've mentioned it, you did you yes. mentioned that you have recently been diagnosed as highly autistic or highly functional autistic. Yes, highly functioning autistic. And that particular one is Asperger's? Yes. And the DSM-4 manual, it was referred to as Asperger's. And then in 2015, I believe, DSM-5 came out and just lumped it all together with autism. So um, can you describe a little bit about what that means to listeners who wouldn't know? So one of the biggest things that people say is, first they tell me that, oh, you don't come across as autistic. Mm. (laughs) And I'm like... I'm like, yeah, I, but it's because it's, it's more of a, it's how my brain processes information versus how I appear to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a filter. I've worked very hard on the tiny bit of filter that I do have that I use in my professional life. Um, 
uh, one thing that people say that they enjoy about me is that I appear very genuine. And <laughs> that's, that's not intentional. That's just a part of who I am. Yeah. I'm not able to have, Oh, I'm not able to put on a mask. That's, let's just say. that's awesome. People strive for that. So <laughs> if you can, I think that's amazing. I think if you can wear it on your face, it's the best way to be. And then, um, as, in terms of how I approach sex because of my autism, I believe that it, um, I'm limited in terms of, I, I have issues with intimacy, uh, in terms of having access to it. I, for me, so for me, I'm very, as I said, I'm very much in my head. Sex is very mental. Um, uh, I, I think the easiest way to to describe it is to be like stereotypical about it and to say, I approach sex like a guy does like sex is separate and apart from emotion. Have, is it few and far between that sex and emotion is attached? I I'm trying to like, I'm think, I'm reminiscing on my times with my ex fiance and trying to think like, was there emotions like and and is that something that you like maybe maybe emotion is outside of the sex in general like there yeah. yeah absolutely okay that's something that people don't wrap their heads around either is you can be emotionally attached to somebody and that's your partner this is your boyfriend this is your girlfriend however you want to call the relationship but the sex is something else completely something different oh absolutely Wow, I'm okay. I'm a big believer in non-monogamy. Okay. I I, I see monogamy um, like if you've actually spent time and analyzed um, how your approach to monogamy is, and if it's something that is meaningful to you after that analysis, then that's one thing. Mm. But I think society, at generally speaking, just goes, "Oh, well, I'm supposed to be monogamous." Yes. And so people uh, like cheat per se and it's like well if you just had open and honest conversations to start with the pain and suffering that comes from cheating wouldn't even have happened while i was setting up uh you know you get random thoughts in your head one of these one of these thoughts i always get is about relationships and i get what you're saying when you say it's just what we're supposed to do well you know you're supposed to be well, i'm supposed to be with one person but I'm thinking of it in the bigger picture where we can, I'm not saying you have to go out and be a slut or a whore and I'm not slut shaming or whore shaming either. But what I'm saying is in the bigger picture, if you are living this life that we all only know, you know, we, for, for what everybody knows, we get one shot or one chance at this life. And we're very fortunate to be here it's very, or it's, it's incredibly, I wouldn't say egotistical, but it's, it's a little crazy to think that one person's going to make you happy in every single aspect of your life. So I, I, I am a traditional monogamous person, or I believe in, you know, being in a relationship 
But that relationship can be so many different things. And to think that so many people are in marriages or in relationships where they're constantly holding somebody back from doing something that they might want to do just doesn't seem genuine to me. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it does happen, you know, well, I caught him t- looking at another woman or another man or, you know, it constantly happens. And you're right. If you have these conversations and you set yourself up for something that might be different, if you can ex- express it in front of your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner or whatever the case may be, it's easier to navigate how to go through something like that and to give not even permission, but just to be like, okay, well, this is how, this is how our relationship works. And as long as he or she is happy or they or them, or (laughs) I can't, can't Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean? I am right there with you when it comes to that. Thank you for bringing that up too. I did not, I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, you are very well versed in, in, in this in general. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, because we are, there are questions, like I said, that I lined up that are, we're jumping around. I love it. Okay, sex positive. That was the word I used to describe you because of the fact yes. that you are. Yeah, I yeah. love that word. So so tell me, um, let's jump back into porn, into gay porn. Gay porn with beautiful men. Beautiful men. Now, <laughs> what? I find the male physique to be way more appealing to me. Um uh arousal level than the female form okay do you and tied with that do you think that you said you approach sex like a dude or a guy Mm -hmm. yeah do you think you enjoy gay porn because of the fact that gay men in general tend to be very sexual hypersexual always thinking about sex do you think do you think there's a correlation as to why you like gay porn and the fact that gay porn is or gay sex is we're very just open oh absolutely yeah like i tell a lot of my friends um you know on a stereotypical level i'm like i'm a gay man trapped in a woman's body (laughs) sex is always on my mind i'm always thinking about sex i'm always um (laughs) oh my gosh it was really painful for me when in my younger years i was gonna say what was growing (laughs) up like thinking about sex when did you start when did you notice that you you think about sex more than I don't even want to say more than other, other girls, but more than other people in general. Oh, high school. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. What, what was high school? Other like girls you? were, were like being girly <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, like focusing on the relationship. I was just focusing on, okay, who, where can I go for, um, so, in high school, I only had sex with one person, but in my mind, I was always constantly thinking about like, Oh, where can I go get laid next? But, (laughs) but, um, due to, um, having Asperger's in the eighties and the, well, it was the nineties and the nineties without it, like female Asperger's and female wasn't even recognized until the mid two thousands. Wow. Have you been open with your parents about uh, how you feel sexually? So my father left when I was seven. Okay. And I was raised by a mother whose whole entire goal in life was to raise children to be Christian soldiers. Wow. 
and so I tried my best. I tried everything. I read so much literature on how to approach the relationship. Um, and it just, I couldn't salvage it because it was hurting me more than anything. Mm. So I cut off ties with my mom in my uh, mid thirties. Okay. Where are you with that now? How do you feel about that? Oh, relief. Relief. Okay. Yeah. Such relief. Like sometimes I ponder, especially when I'm listening to a podcast and they talk about like relationships with their families. I sometimes wonder like if I had a different parent, like what am I missing something because of this? But other than just pondering that like offhandedly, I don't really feel like uh, anything's lacking. Okay. How do I say that? <laughs> no, no. I, I understand what you're saying. Sometimes, Sometimes you can't salvage a relationship like that. If you, if it's, if you, and you said something that's very uh, poignant is it was hurting you more than it was helping you. And if yeah. that's the case, then yeah, um, I, I don't think the problem lies within you. I think that, you know, she's going to have to do some soul searching and, you know, if she wanted to make you Christian soldiers, <laughs> there's, there's a something else going on there. <laughs> yeah. So I jokingly say I'm religiously atheist. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, the American culture is so full of Christianity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Imagery, movies, TV shows. It's everywhere. And it's, and it's not just, it's not just, you know, here's the Bible. It's it's much. It's much. More oh no, it's ingrained. Yeah. Oh, it's ingrained at this point. We don't even realize the fact that we go to work on a Judeo Christian work uh, nine to five, ten to six. Everything is so ingrained in us that we don't even realize yeah. we're being Christian while we're judging other people for doing stuff that we wouldn't do. Or it's 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 innate at this point, and it's something that I honestly fear we have to live among like we can't with, there's no way of changing that unless there's like this insane revolution or another ice age or something like that. And people just right. lose the Bible yeah. completely. Like it disappears completely all religions, <laughs> but, but mostly in this country, you're absolutely right. It's, it's indoctrinated. Yes. Heavily indoctrinated, he heavily uh, penetrated, no pun by the Christian church. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, you are a tax attorney. Yes. You are. I became a CPA in 2008. Okay. I started dating a guy that was going through law school and an opportunity came up. I got a free ride to law school and I took it, passed the bar exam. Wow. And then using my CP and then using my CPA background along with the law degree. Um, I fell into tax, uh, tax law. Yeah. That's a, a nice little thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It like worked out perfectly. It like coincided. It worked. <laughs> that That's amazing. Yes. Do you attribute being autistic to any aspect of that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I stumbled onto the world of accounting and once I encountered it, I was like, oh, this is so easy. 
because it's mostly <laughs> accounting is pat. It's all about patterns, and the way my brain is wired, mm-hmm. it it looks for patterns and everything. And so, accounting was perfect fit. I was behind a computer screen for the most part, so I didn't have to worry about interacting with people on a day to day basis, which I find to be um, exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like one on one, like this, this is great. But like when you're interacting with tens of people at a time, that's where my resources become very strained. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to sit behind a computer. I love like, computer software programs, I'm able to, because again, it's just pattern recognition. I'm able to easily figure out how to use software, any kind of software um, in terms of the professional world and corporate world. That's what I'm looking for, not professional, corporate. (laughs) Um, And I've been able to use my skills to help people in the Burning Man community to help organizations within the Burning Man community um, and to help a few people here and there within the adult entertainment industry. And um, I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, it seems like you do. I think that's great. I think that knowing that your brain is wired this way and then just saying, this is how I'm going to do it. This is where I'm going to go. I think that's, that's amazing. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, but there's no, no one's feeling sorry for you. You are, <laughs> you are, you've taken everything that's been given to you and I'm, I'm going to work with it. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a question for you. Can yeah, I please. You absolutely. Absolutely. As a direct, cause like you've directed. Um, um, I'm 15 years in. January, uh, June 22nd. So one of the things that I really enjoy watching is when the guy's adjusting to the other guy. In what way? One model inserts his penis into the other model. Asshole. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can go ahead say it. I know you have, (laughs) you know, I know how you want to word it. I would love to hear it come out the way, the Um, exactly the way you want automatically um let's go for it right are you talking about when um the positions they get into before they uh they get just anal sex like anal sex in general like i know for me myself like whenever i have a penis inserted it takes me some time like a few seconds depending um to adjust do you mean like actually letting go and being like like it's happening. Yes. Yes. I think How come that's not shown more. Always seems to be like they're like they 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 cut from um my god. Rimming. They cut from rimming to then they're just having sex. And I'm like, I like to see the oh, actual Okay, so if you want to see that, I think that um that's one of the traits of of Hollywood porn. Uh the porn that I, so I worked for a company called Rafa Club and I work for a company called uh-huh. Treasure Island now. And um, they're more documentary style, if I, I would say. Like they're, it just, it's kind of like I'm a camera guy and I just happen to be here while these guys are having sex. So you do, you get to see a little bit of everything. And the way I like to shoot 
Yes, very similar. I like to watch the guy's face while the other guy's about to uh, like fuck him, like go inside of him. Yes. Yeah. Because, yes. And, and I have to tell you though, you might be, depending on who you're watching, you might be profoundly disappointed because some guys are such professionals that it just it just slides right in. But there oh, are other, hey, I was wondering about that. Okay. But, but there are other guys who, you know, if if the top is eleven inches, I don't care who you are or how prepared you are, you're gonna feel every single inch. You're gonna feel every single inch. But um mm-hmm. yeah, that's always that's always fun. I would I would absolutely suggest, even if online, you can find um Rafa Club, Treasure Island. Even uh, Champ, my friend Champ Studio Vision X, <clears throat> they have um, they have the more documentary style where you're a fly on the wall and you're watching everything happen. So you do get to see okay. that. You do get to see the penetration. You do you could you get to see the guy's face. And if you're lucky and the guy's a good camera guy, you get to see the bottom's face, the top's face, and the penetration because yes, all, all of that is great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of. Um, hand movements, leg movements, everything that's happening while you're having sex with somebody. Because mm-hmm. it's such a, you don't walk around with your dick, uh, a dick in your ass or a dick in your pussy every day. It's, you're, you know, it's, it's an act. You're doing something. And while that's happening, your body is performing or doing something in a different way because it's, it's adapting, kind of like you said. It's adapting yeah. to having something inserted inside of it. <laughs> so all mm-hmm. of it, all of the movement, the entire act, everything is so perfect. It's so good. Get it. Get every single aspect when it, when when you're shooting. And uh, oh, I do. Yeah, I do try to do as much of that as I can. Um, but yeah, no, it, um, we we do. We're out there. We get it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, Christina, I, I absolutely appreciate everything we spoke about everything you've, I expected to be kind of blown away by certain things. You've demystified so much to me. I can't believe like the, the extensive amount of, of not only research, but facts and history that you you have like the the caligula thing you know not a lot of people know that stuff like that's that's amazing and yeah you've you've read up (laughs) that plus you know what you do um how you function everything like it's it's very beautiful if more people like you uh existed in the world we'd be in a different place yeah same to you thank you like when i found your podcast i was so enheartened and like enheartened um, I was thrilled because you're you're out there doing something I believe in. Like you're out there fighting the fight. You're out there helping make the world a better place. Because um, as we talked about earlier, you know, if we could stop being shamed and guilty and accepting of who we are, you know, and finding the common denominator and that mm-hmm. almost everybody enjoys sex. Yeah maybe in a better place. And so I just want to thank you. Well, I, I absolutely appreciate that. You know, um, there's so much that surrounds this podcast and even the name demystifying gay porn. 
that I've had to kind of, I don't know, um, reevalue because I'm not going to lie. Even during this season, I'm like, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this? And it wasn't until about maybe a month ago that, um, I said, I'm really going to demystify porn this time. And it's, it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of, of having the time to do it. But, uh, I've been researching like crazy and, uh, that's, it's going to take like season four is going to be on a different trajectory. I think, um, I enjoy talking to the models, but there's also so much other stuff that people need to learn about. Like for instance, I work in the gay porn industry and I didn't know what the first gay porn film that was ever made. And I should, I think that, you know, you should know the history, but the thing is, is there's no, there's no one textbook that tells you every single porn that was ever made, every single gay porn that was ever made. There's scholars and there's people that have written books about it. There's porn stars that have written books, but there's no genuine set. I, I know that there's a project and uh, I think it's San Francisco. I'm not sure, but they, they do collect um, a lot of, they archive, uh, Oh. gay erotica and stuff but not oh, not yeah yeah but not online not online so that's what i think oh. that's what i think my that's where not to sound grandiose or anything but if i had a calling in gay porn because there's like like everyone else i'm multifaceted there's there's other things that drive who i am if i have a calling in gay porn i now feel like i have to kind of present a history in a concise place and then also shatter a lot of the the misconceptions and beliefs that exist on how unimportant porn and gay porn is in our life considering how much and how many people watch uh porn and gay porn so oh, absolutely yeah. so i absolutely uh, yeah i appreciate that for sure is there anything you would like to say to end this this beautiful podcast interview um anything uh, you want to say for the women out there who watch gay porn you're not alone okay you're not alone if you feel like you're different if you feel like there's some aspect of you that doesn't quite fit right you're not alone that's a beautiful message Ooh. Oh, Christina, Christina, the kinky tax attorney. Thank you so, so much. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. But, uh, Christina, the kinky tax attorney, uh, was on demystifying gay porn. Uh, my name is like a grande. And if you watch gay porn, I've definitely helped you get off. Cheers. Cheers.